Dear friends, my name is John Bergen, and you're listening to The Word is Resistance. A few months ago, I was visiting some friends in Kentucky and ended up hanging out and eating Thai food with some Sunrise organizers. And as you do, we started swapping stories of success and failure. For most of the past year, Sunrise has been hot, red hot, like the mainstream media arguing over your messaging, like changing the course of the 2020 presidential election. And when your movement gets hot, everyone wants to know, what are you learning about what works? So my friend told me, it's been ridiculous. If on a webinar we ask people to come to an action, we get a few hundred, but if we ask them to plan an action, even more people agree. People want the bigger ask. It reminded me of a learning that 350.org had several years ago when the climate movement was still organizing these big annual actions in D.C., targeting Obama about KXL and other fossil fuel infrastructure. The first ask they made of people, mostly older, white, middle class, and owning class people, was, will you get arrested? Now, arrests at permitted actions led by predominantly middle class white groups in D.C. are generally not so traumatic, I realize that's a broad generalization, but still, people want the bigger ask. I've always struggled with this, laying out a big ask for someone and saying, I want you to do this. I'm afraid of people saying no. I'm afraid of people not feeling supported to do something that scares them. I'm afraid of failing as an organizer myself setting up a clear test of the strength of my movement and then not achieving it. But often enough, we want to clear the high bar. We want to feel ourselves in our full strength, risking more than we thought we could, sacrificing and growing more than we thought we could. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But that person said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim this kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for this kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their own dead. This is the bar. Who's going to jump and get it? We're marching on Jerusalem, not next week, not next month, but right now. This is the movement. There's lots to critique here, the history of using this and other texts to demand people give their all to toxic and violent communities that are masquerading as the community of Christ, the cultish dedication this can create, or our judgments of others based on our perception of what they are giving, our ranking of each other's commitments, the times when big asks come from a scarcity mindset instead of an abundance mindset. But sometimes the world doesn't wait. Sometimes there's this, this moment of a whirlwind and God makes the big ask. 
Sometimes your city goes into uprising, sometimes the movement takes off, sometimes your country opens up concentration camps, and then we get to choose. Will we put a hand to the plow and look back? Or will we follow? Welcome to The Word is Resistance. Here we ask, what do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance in showing up in liberation? The music you hear today is a live recording of a song gifted to the freedom movement by Dr. Vincent Harding, We Are Building Up a New World. The group you hear singing is No Enemies, a multiracial group of activists and musicians in Denver, Colorado, who come together for movement choir practice to bring singing back into direct actions and other movement spaces. This particular choir practice is from December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. This podcast, finally, is a project of Surge Faith and Surge Action. Surge, or Showing Up for Racial Justice, organizes white people to take bold action against white supremacy. This podcast aims to resource us in that work, which means it is for everyone but geared towards white people working to build our resistance muscles. We welcome your feedback and especially appreciate feedback from and accountability to listeners of color. So he, that's Elijah, set out from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing. There were 12 yoke of oxen out of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over him. He, that's Elisha, left the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my mother and my father, and then I will follow you. And then Elijah said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him, that's Elisha returned from following Elijah, took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Using the equipment from the oxen, he boiled their flesh and gave it to the people, and they ate. And he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. First Kings 19, 19 through 21. We don't get a lot of sermons on Elisha. Elijah, sure, he gets the big, cool miracles. God in the silence, roasting a wet, dead ox with fire from the sky, the good stuff. But Elisha? Later on, he floats an axe head that fell in a river. He makes poisoned water drinkable. Boring, practical, life-saving stuff. But here in this story, which the author of Luke obviously references several centuries later, we get a measure of Elisha's commitment. Elijah shows up, or stumbles upon Elisha, working a team of oxen on the land that his family owns. He's got a pair, but there are 11 other pair, meaning 11 farm workers or other family members working the land with him. Elijah throws his jacket over Elisha's shoulders and I guess just keeps walking? 
which certainly isn't confusing at all. Elisha runs after him and asks if he can go kiss his parents goodbye. And just like that, he's ready to drop everything. That's dedication. I mean, except it isn't, at least not by the standards of what comes next. Elisha kills two ox, that's no small feat, roasts them over their own yoke, again, not a small feat, and feeds them to the people. He returns to his family's land. He dismantles part of the means of production and distributes it to the workers. Part of me wonders whether he might have been more supportive of the workers if he had turned over ownership of the oxen to the workers, but I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he was legally constrained from doing that, or maybe that wasn't the point. He, he makes it pretty clear that he isn't coming back because his pair of oxen are now several thousand pounds of steak. He can't renege on this promise because he has gutted and roasted his inheritance, distributed it, and walked away. Elisha is all in. He leaves his wealth to be the servant of a known outcast, a prophet as famous for the attempts on his life as for his dramatic confrontations with the system of imperial extraction and oppression. Elijah is someone on Ahab's ten most wanted list, a mystic who was no doubt a difficult person to be around, a person whose response to Elisha asking to kiss his parents goodbye was, go back again, for what have I done to you? And then he keeps on walking. This is not an easy movement to join. The payout is not clear The victory is far from guaranteed. The suffering and loneliness and grief are much more certain. But Elisha is all in. There's this story from the Desert Mothers and Fathers, that radical community of 10,000 people who fled or were driven out of the centers of the Roman Empire and sought to build alternative community in rural Egypt. This story is about Abbot Lot, this younger guy who comes to Abbot Joseph, his mentor, and he asks him, as best I can, I pray I fast and I meditate and I sit in silence. I try to check my oppressive thoughts and behaviors. I try to live into the values of this community. What more should I do? And his mentor rose up in reply, stretched out his hands to the heaven, and his fingers became like ten lamps of fire. And he said, why not be utterly changed into fire? Why not be utterly changed into fire? This story is definitely a koan, so there's tons of possibilities here, but I've heard two common ways of interpreting this story. The first is that Joseph is advising his mentee to give his entire life to the movement, to give so totally that he is consumed in fire. This first way of reading is 
well, it, it's wrong. It's, it's wrong. It's just wrong. The second common interpretation is that when we are transformed by the Spirit, turned into fire, we approach our sacred labor in a different way. The rules of being good radicals melt away in the light of our approaching the Spirit. And this second way may not be right, but at least it's not, you know, capitalist spirituality. But anyway, 2 Kings 2, 6 through 14. Then Elijah said to him, him is Elisha here, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. And, and Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double portion, a double share of your spirit. Elijah responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted to you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other and Elisha went over. Elisha watches his mentor be taken up to heaven in front of him. He is invited to come stand with his mentor, this man he calls Father. In most translations of that Desert Mothers and Father story, Lot calls Joseph Father as well. But in this story, Elisha begs Elijah not to leave by asking to receive a double portion of his spirit. And then they are separated by a surprise chariot, and then Elijah is taken from him. Taken. With his mentor gone, Elisha is left with the question, with Elijah gone, how am I called to live for the movement? This is the bar, can I jump and reach it? Will I receive a double portion of the spirit? No wonder he rages and yells out, where is the Lord? Elisha has choices here. And in moments where we are given the chance to lead, we too have choices. We get to decide how we want to live for a movement, not destroy ourselves for it. We get to decide and redefine our lineages from whatever vantage point we are in, whether we are or whether people project onto us that we are Elijah, Elisha, the 50 prophets, or someone else 
We can affect the course of movements. We can dance with history. Quick digression here. We're not called to go wide and give to every cause. No, we're called to go deep. Going wide is this classic mistake of especially people like myself raised in the professional middle class. We approach movements as issues. We get overwhelmed by the range of these issues and the desperate pain and suffering that surrounds them. And we end up in organizations that try and do a thousand things and show up at a thousand actions. It can be immensely difficult to get middle class people to commit to a single project. In moments of incredible pain or moments of the movement whirlwind, we are often most effective and faithful when we go deep instead of wide. This means giving up a belief that we can be at everything, be a part of every movement. It means we have to trust and be in relationship with people in other movements, supporting how we can and believing that by digging deep, we can help others dig deep in their places. These are more choices that we get to make. Leading, following, going deep, changing lanes, listening to the spirit. These are choices within choices. And within them, we can be transformed and we can transform our movements. We can be changed into fire. Today's first call to action is to practice digging deep where, wherever you are. Whatever work you are doing, if you are still feeling called to do that work, consider what high bar you might set for yourself or what big ask you might make of someone else. Commit. Burn the oxen. And if you're discerning a change in commitment, or if you have capacity, this second call to action is to support efforts to end the concentration camps our country is running. They are concentration camps where we cage children as a process of dehumanization on the road to a possible genocide. These are the stakes. In the transcript, I have included a link to, or multiple links to articles listing multiple steps you can take you can just Google ice raid rapid response or sanctuary in the streets if you don't know of actions in your area. If you do know local organizations led by or accountable to undocumented people, reach out to them to ask about accompaniment, rapid response, or food and legal donations. Check out the Detention Watch Center's hashtag defund hate campaign. Also a link in the transcript. Thanks for joining me today. As always, let us know how these action steps go by commenting on our Facebook page. If you have more resources, please post them there. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're using. It really does help us broaden this movement. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org. And our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search for The Word is Resistance. You can interact with us there if you have questions or need help with action ideas. 
Transcripts are available on our website, which include any references, credits, copyright information. And thanks once again to our sound editor, Max Pearl, for putting this together. Thank you. Blessings to all of you as you continue in the work of being transformed, of transforming the movement, and transforming the world. Amen. Amen.